Well, this morning we begin a new series in the book of Matthew. I've slowly worked through uh, the Sermon on the Mount when I first arrived here at Dremoyne Baptist back in 2009, 2010, according to my records here. Uh, so if you want to uh, hear what I have to say about the Sermon on the Mount, you can go back in our archive of the MP3s on our website. And then, but before at uh, the beginning of the year, uh, we were working our way through Matthew chapter 3 and chapter 4. And so I've done that. Matthew chapter 1 and 2, I consider that I, at Christmas time, I often uh, delve into those chapters. So I've never systematically preached through those. But we're basically up to chapter 8 then, according to my records of what I've preached through. And so we're coming to that this morning. And I'm not sure how long we'll be in Matthew uh, chapter 8 and possibly chapter 9. Uh, but we'll see how the Lord uh, works within us. And uh, we'll see what we are able to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ. But the context of Matthew Matthew chapter 8 is that Jesus has just been given the tremendous Sermon on the Mount and he then comes down the mountainside we read in verse 1 and large crowds are following him and the first thing that we hear about coming after he comes down from the mountainside according to Matthew is that a man with leprosy comes to him a man with leprosy comes to him and we read that in verse 2 a man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said Lord if you are willing you can make me clean what is leprosy well, leprosy is a terrible skin disease. Uh, we're not quite sure whether this leprosy that this man would have had uh, back in the first century uh, is exactly what we would call leprosy today. There's a disease called Hansen's disease, which is still uh, in parts of the world and even here in, in, uh, in Australia. Uh, when I was uh, going through university and studying in health, uh, I learned that in Indigenous communities, uh, Hansen's disease is still something that is uh, there and we may even come across if we go and work in such communities as healthcare providers. Uh, but why is leprosy such a terrible condition. Uh, well, it's not just a skin disease, it can affect the nerves and, uh, and therefore blood supply to the nerves and the way that you use your, your, your body. And so the extremities can actually be lost as well. So the nose, ears, parts of the ears, uh, fingers and toes can be lost from this disease as well. So it's not just a horrible rash that you have, uh, but it actually does start to affect the bodily parts. And why else is it terrible? Well, then, of course, it will reduce your life expectancy. Anything that is systemically a problem for your body uh, reduces your life expectancy. So death is uh, much quicker in that sense uh, than you would expect if you didn't have leprosy. And one of the most terrible things about leprosy is that it's incurable. Uh, it's incurable. It's something that uh, at the time it was equivalent of raising the dead. If you were to be cured of leprosy, it was seen to be a raising of the dead. And we even see that in the account that is given back in 2 Kings chapter 5, which we had read before for us, that the king of Israel, when he heard about this man who had leprosy and had come to him for curing of his leprosy, what did the king of Israel say in 2, Corinthians, uh, 2 Kings chapter 5, verse 7? He says, he tore his robes, he read the letter, tore his robes and said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? When the king of Israel received Naaman from the king of Aram and was told, can you please cure this man of his leprosy? He said, am I someone who can bring people to life? Like, why would this guy send me a man to be cured of leprosy? He may as well have sent a dead body to me and said, please raise this man from the dead, because that's what it is to have leprosy. It is the equivalent of raising someone from the dead. So it's a terrible disease that only God was recognised as one who could cure. And that's what we see the King of Israel say. Am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? And so this man comes to Jesus with leprosy, this terrible disease. And what does he do? 
while he asks Jesus for cleansing. And we see that in verse 2. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He comes in humility to the Jesus and asks for cleansing. How do we know it's humility? Well, the way that he addresses him, he says, Lord, it can be translated as sir. Um, he's respectful of the Lord Jesus. It may even be a play on uh, the fact that he would consider Jesus to be divine. But he also recognises uh, that he is someone of great power by the way that he comes humbly and kneels before him. Uh, he kneels before Jesus, says, Lord, and says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He humbly acknowledges Christ's power, trusts that Christ has the power to heal him of his terrible disease. And what does Jesus do? Well, we read that Jesus reaches out his hand, touches him, and cleanses him. He heals him. He cures him of his leprosy. We see in verse 3, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cured or cleansed of his leprosy. Jesus reaches out, touches this man, and cures him of his leprosy. Now, what is the relevance for us today? What is the relevance for us today? Well, there's many applications that we could make about this passage of Scripture, and uh, we could go through it uh, for several weeks if we really wanted to, which I'm not going to do. Next week, we'll pick up at, uh, verse 5, and we'll carry on seeing what the Lord Jesus does in chapter 8 of Matthew's Gospel. But I thought what would be helpful for us today is to focus on the cleansing itself, to focus on the cleansing itself. Did you notice that the leper didn't ask for healing? He didn't ask to be healed. What did he ask for? He asked to be cleansed. He asked that Jesus would make him clean. Now, when we look at the Lord Jesus as well, what did Jesus do for the man? What did Jesus do for the man? Well, we read in verse 3 that he reached out his hand and touched the man and said, I'm willing, and he said, be healed. No, he said, be clean. And immediately the man was cured, although the, it's the same Greek word, really. Uh, the NIV is translated as cured, but it means cleansed. He was cleansed of his leprosy. Why did the man ask for cleaning instead of healing? Why did Jesus clean the man, cleanse the man, rather than heal the man? Is it because there was no Greek word for healing? That the word for cleaning just means healing? No, there's a Greek word for healing. It's actually the word, the Greek word is where we get our modern English word of therapy from. Therapuo meant I heal. And so we understand that therapy today is to heal someone. And did the New Testament writers know this word for healing? Therapuo, was it a common word? Yes, it's used in the New Testament again and again. And it's even used in verse 7 of Matthew chapter 8. Well, we'll get to it next week, the, the, the healing of the centurion's servant. And Jesus said to him, to the centurion, I will go and heal him, referring to the centurion's servant. Jesus uses the word for healing there, but he uses the word for cleaning when it comes to the leper. Now, why would he do that? Wasn't the man sick? He's not dirty. Why does he need cleaning more so than healing? Why does he want cleaning more than healing from Jesus? And why does Jesus see that he, it's more important that he be cleaned than healed per se? Well, the leper was dirty. He was unclean. According to who? According to God. God says in his word that those who have leprosy 
are ceremonially unclean, that they're unclean in his sight. Look with me at Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45. Leviticus isn't a book that we delve into very often, but it's part of God's law and uh, has important regulations for the way that the community of Israel would conduct themselves. Turn with me to page 109. Page 109, Leviticus chapter 13, second book of the Bible, no, third book of the Bible, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 13, verse 45, reading from page 109. Verse 45 Moses says in God's word, which therefore is God speaking here through Moses, that the person with such an infectious disease must wear torn clothes, let his hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of his face and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as he has the infection, he remains unclean. He must live alone. He must live outside the camp. This is God's law about the man with leprosy. This is what God said about this man, that he was unclean. And so this is the most terrible part of the lep- uh, having leprosy, really, when you start to think about it. I mean, I said it was terrible because you've got this terrible rash. You start to lose your extremities. It speeds up your death. But while you're alive, this is terrible to have leprosy. Why? Because you're considered unclean and therefore you're cut off from society. You're cut off from society because you have leprosy. You're cut off from your family. You're cut off from your friends. You're cut off from your neighbours. You're cut off from work. You're cut off from shops and trade. You had to live outside the town and keep away from people. And when people started to come near you, you, you had the responsibility to tell them, unclean, unclean, stay away. If you touch me, you become unclean with me. And, of course, you weren't just cut off from human society. You are cut off from God's society as well. If you can't go into the city, what does that mean? You can't go to the temple. You can't go and worship God. You can't offer sacrifices to God that are commanded in God's word. You're cut off from God by the infectious disease that you have and the unclean status that you have because of that. In Numbers chapter 5, verse 1, we read something similar to what we just read from Leviticus chapter 13, where the Lord said to Moses, Command the Israelites to send away from the camp anyone who has an infectious skin disease or a discharge of any kind, or who is ceremonially unclean because of a dead body. Send away male and female alike, send them outside the camp, so that they will not defile their camp where I dwell among them. Very clear that God wants unclean people away from society, human society, but also away from his society, from where he dwells amongst God's people. So what did it mean if you had leprosy? Effectively, you were dead. You were dead to the world, to the human world and to God in his interaction in society. You had no interaction with society and... So you were effectively dead to those people who were still alive within the camp. And of course, if there's no hope of cure, you can't come back. And that's what we expect of dead people, isn't it? If someone dies, what do we expect? They're not coming back. And it was the same with someone with leprosy. It was a terrible condition. You were cut off from people, you were cut off from God, and no hope of return. You were effectively dead. So what did Jesus do when he cleansed the leper? He effectively gave the man his life back. When he cured the leper, when he healed him of his disease, something greater happened than healing. It was a cleansing. 
He gave the man his life back. He basically raised the man from the dead. And how do we know that he was completely clean? By what Jesus told him to do. What did Jesus tell him to do in verse 4? Matthew chapter 8, verse 4. Then Jesus said to him, See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. What did Jesus tell the man to do? He said, go and see the priests. Why? Well, there's a few reasons that we could get out of this verse. But one is that the man would be declared clean by the priests. How would you be declared clean according to the law of God? It was you had to go to the priest. The priest had to examine your skin and see whether the disease was there still. But if the disease had gone, the priest could pronounce you as clean. And if you were clean, what did that mean? You could go back into society. You could live within the city walls again. You could have interaction with people and not the interaction of unclean, unclean whenever anyone came to you. You could embrace them. You could touch them. You could eat with them. So Jesus is giving the man his life back. And he clearly intends that by the way that he tells the man, go to the priests so that he could enter human society. But also, what could he enter? Divine society. He could enter into God's temple. He could go and worship God. He could offer a sacrifice to God. Jesus even tells him to do that. Go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded. Go, make sacrifices again. You haven't been able to go to God's place and offer the sacrifices as he has said in the past. Now you can. Why? Because I have cleaned you. I've raised you from the dead, so to speak. And I think this is helpful for us as we look at the the man here today in Matthew chapter 8, because we start off life unclean as well. Not with leprosy, but we do start off unclean. And I'm not referring to that time when we're born with all the blood and fluids all over you and needing a bath. I'm referring to the fact that we are born dirty according to God. We're born unclean before God. Why? Because of our sin. Because of our rebellion against God, in not loving him and our neighbour, it makes us unclean. In sin we were conceived, and in sin we were born. That's what we read in Psalm 51. That's what we sang about. Well, sure, we sang it in the, the, the song. But Psalm 51, we sung part of Psalm 51, but not necessarily the bit about conception, being conceived in sin. But we're born in sin. That's what Psalm 51 tells us. That's what David, through the power of the Holy Spirit, proclaims to us. And that's because, why? Adam and Eve, our first parents. We're conceived in sin because of the sin of our first parents, Adam and Eve. And what else makes us dirty? The fact that we continue to sin. We have the guilt of our parents upon us. We're conceived in sin. We're born in sin. But our sinful behavior every day, what does that do? It adds to the dirt. It adds to our uncleanliness before God. So what's the truth according to God's word? It's that we stink. We're unclean before him from conception to birth to childhood to adulthood to death. Our sin continues to contaminate us and make us unclean. God's word teaches it again and again, from Adam and Eve in the book of Genesis to Psalm 51 to Jesus Christ himself, teaches us that we are unclean. Look with me now at Mark chapter 7. Jesus teaches it so clearly for us, what makes us unclean before God. Mark chapter 7, which may be found on page 998. 
998, so the next book over from Matthew's Gospel, Mark chapter 7, and we'll read from verse 14. Verse 14 of Mark chapter 7, the Lord Jesus is there and he said, again, Jesus called the crowd to him and said, listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a man can make him unclean by going into him. Rather, it is what comes out of a man that makes him unclean. After he'd left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about this parable. Are you so dull, he asked, don't you see that nothing that enters a man from outside can make him unclean? For it doesn't go into his heart, but into his stomach and then out of his body. In saying this, Jesus declared all foods clean, which is the context of this teaching, is that the Pharisees had been focusing on the externals rather than uh, and, and foods, uh, and so Jesus is giving a teaching about the fact that these things don't essentially make people unclean. So what does make a man unclean? Well, we read in verse 20, Jesus went on. What comes out of a man is what makes him unclean. What's he talking about? Verse 21 clarifies for us. For from within, out of men's hearts, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, malice, deceit, lewdness, envy, slander, arrogance, and folly. All these evils come from inside and make a man unclean. Jesus is very clear there. What makes a man unclean? And if we look at that list and examine ourselves closely, we can clearly see that we are all unclean. We're unclean because of the sin of our first parents, but then we have added to that sin throughout our lives again and again with so many of these sins that are articulated by Jesus from this vice list here. We can see these are vices for us. And therefore, we are unclean as well. And if we're honest and we start to look around at the world, we, God's word is confirmed to us as well. We see that humanity is unclean, that the world stinks. As we look around, we see that the way that people behave is sinful. These things that we read here are characteristics of humanity. And people like to say, to err is human. In one sense, I don't agree with that because, of course, Jesus is human and he never erred. But we understand there's a truth in that as we look at the human race they make errors all the time god's word tells us we're unclean but in our experience of the world and experience of our own lives we can see we are unclean as well and what's the result of our uncleanness what was the result of the uncleanness of the leper he was cut off from human society and it's the same for us as well We can be cut off from human society because of our sin, which makes us unclean. What's the obvious way? Well, the way that we push the real stinkers, the real sinners, out of our society. Where do we push them to? We push them to jail. We want them out of our society. We don't want to trade with them. We don't want to touch them. We don't want to have anything to do with them. I was talking to a non-Christian friend about... I was talking about how I went into a prison once to visit people, and she said, don't talk about it. I don't like to think about them. I don't like to think about prisons. I don't like to think about prisoners. Just total shutdown of the conversation. And that's the way that we see that humanity is unclean, is by the way that we push the real stinkers out of society, just like they pushed the real stinkers, the lepers, in previous societies out of the camp as well. But the truth is we all stink. We all sin. We're all unclean. And what is the result? We see ourselves being pushed out of society as well. How? 
by the way that we lose family members because of our sin and because of their sin, the way that we lose friends because of our sin through our lifetime. You'll have people who are in your life and then you'll do something and they won't want to talk to you anymore. They won't want to interact with you. And you see it in the workplace as well. You're there getting along well at work and then you do something really dumb and what happens? You're pushed outside the camp. No longer welcome in the workplace because of your sin. You're considered unclean and we're not interested in having you here any longer. We see that sin does cut us off from human society. Not in the dramatic way of the leper, but we see it in small ways by the way that we sin. And family members and friends and colleagues at work cut us off. And of course, we also see the consequence of our uncleanness is that we're cut off from God's society. Ever since the Garden of Eden with Adam and Eve, God's pushed sinners outside of his paradise, outside of his presence. And what will happen one day? God will remove us from stinking up the society of anyone ever again. How? One day God will send us to the eternal dump, which is where you send everything that's unclean. That's where you send it to the dump. God sends us to the eternal dump, the eternal wasteland, which is hell. The great incinerator where you put things that are truly unclean. You incinerate them, don't you? And that's what God does for us. I learned that in my medical career, that the really nasty stuff, the syringes, the things of medical waste, they're put in a separate bin. What happens to those things? They go to an incinerator. They're not put into landfill like everything else the paper towels that you wipe your hands on. No, these things, they go and are incinerated. And that's what God does to the unclean as well. Eventually, he incinerates them. And that place is called hell. God cuts us off altogether from society, from human society anymore, and from God's society. Unless what happens? Unless we're cleansed of our sin unless we're cleansed of our sin. But who can clean us up of our sin? Who can cleanse us? Only Jesus Christ. Why? Only Jesus has the power to cleanse. Why? Because of his death. Why does Jesus have power to cleanse us because of his death? Well, what happened when Jesus was crucified? Jesus was declared unclean. Jesus was declared unclean. Why? Not because of his sins. Jesus never sinned. He was always clean. He did not err, even though he was human. He was always clean. So why was Jesus unclean? Because of the sins of his people. The sins of his people were imputed to him when he went to the cross. They were laid upon him by faith in him, his people. Their sins were transferred to him and put upon him. And so what did that mean? Jesus became the most unclean person ever in the sight of God. He stank the worst that anyone's ever stunk to God because he had not just the sins of one person upon him, but he had the sins of multiple people. All his people were put upon him. And what was the result? Jesus was declared unclean in a religious court, in a secular court, and in the court of God because of the sins that were put upon him. He was declared unclean, and therefore what did society want to do to him? What did society do to him? They took him outside the city. 
which is what you do to unclean people. That's what you do to lepers. You take them outside the city. And what did they do to him outside the city? They crucified him. And why did they crucify him? Because if you put someone to death, they don't come back and pollute your city anymore. That's what the Pharisees wanted. They didn't want Jesus polluting them anymore with his uncleanliness in their sight. But in effect, they were doing what God had ordained, which is as the sins of God's people were put upon him, he was taken outside the camp, which is what you do with an unclean person, and put to death so that that unclean person would never come back. That's what Jesus was doing. And not only was Jesus cut off from human society, what also happened to Jesus at the cross? He was cut off from God's society. What happened to a leper? A leper was cut off from human society, but he was also cut off from God's society. He couldn't go into the temple anymore. And that's what we see at the cross. How do we see it at the cross? When he cries out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? What is the cry coming from Jesus? It's a cry that's coming out because he knows what it is to be cut off from God there at the cross because of the sin and the uncleanliness that has been imputed to him by the faith of his people. So Jesus is the only one that has the power to cleanse us because he's the only one who's that substitute that we need for our sin. But why else is Jesus the only one that has the power to save? Because he not only died, but he is also the son of God. So therefore, he has the power to overcome the sin as it is imputed to him and cleanse his people of their sin and the punishment that they deserve and come back from the dead perfectly clean. It wasn't as though Jesus was crucified and therefore remained dead as our substitute. No, he had the power to actually cleanse sin and come back clean himself. Why? Because he is the son of God himself. And so as sin was put upon him, he could actually overcome that sin by the power of God. It's an incredible thing that we read in Matthew chapter 8 that Jesus does. Matthew is very clear to articulate it. He doesn't say, just say to the man, be clean. What did, the, what, did Jesus say to the, uh, what did Jesus do to the man, the leper? He reached out and touched the man. Why is that so special? Because if you touched an unclean person, what happened? You became unclean. But what happened when Jesus touched the leper? The man became clean and Jesus remained clean because he's the son of God. So he can overcome the uncleanness by his absolute purity, his absolute holiness. It overcomes the sin. And that's the same as the sins of God's people are put upon him at the cross. He can actually overcome them. He doesn't ultimately become unclean. Yes, he's declared unclean. And there's this mysterious thing that's happening at the cross, which we cannot comprehend. As the sins of God's people are put upon him, he is unclean, but he's clean at the same time because he's continuously overcoming that, even as he suffers and dies. So Jesus is the one who can cleanse us because he's the one who's died the death that we deserve and he's the one who is the son of God who can overcome the sin that has happened, that has been put upon him, that has been imputed to him. And so what has Jesus done? He has shown that he is God himself by his cleansing of us. He's done what the king of Israel said only God could do in, in healing Naaman 
uh, of his leprosy and bringing him back to life. It's true. Jesus does that too. He brings back the dead. Jesus is the one who has cleansed his people so that they no longer stink. And therefore, what does that mean? That they are saved from what? From the dump. They're saved from the incinerator. Hell itself. And what does that then mean? They can enter into society again. They can enter into God's society. They can enter into his paradise in heaven because they are now clean. And they can enter into God's society here on earth and human society as well. How does that happen? Well, the fact that they're forgiven of their sins, yes, but also the fact that as by the power of the Spirit, the clean person no longer sins as much, doesn't keep adding to his sin, so he actually gets along with humans and is able to remain friends with people, remain in family relationships and enjoy society, human society. And so Jesus has raised us from the dead if we are his people, brought us back into relationship with him, with God and also with others. But how can you have this cleansing? It is only for God's people. How can you have this cleansing? Well, how did the leper get Jesus to clean him? He came in humility. He came in humility. He bowed down before Jesus. He called Jesus Lord and trusted in his power to cleanse. He said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Will Jesus cleanse us if we come with the same humility today? Absolutely. Absolutely. Jesus never drives away those trusting in him. It's interesting, Mark's gospel has an account of this as well, the same incident. And he adds something that Matthew doesn't include. In Mark chapter 1, verse 41, it says, Filled with compassion, he reached out and touched the man. And that's Jesus today. If you come in humility and ask him for cleansing from your sin, he is filled with compassion and reaches out and touches you and says, Be clean. So have you been cleansed by Jesus Christ? Or are you still dirty in your sins, stinking to high heaven, to God himself in your sin? If you've never come to Jesus for cleansing before, what does that mean? You've stunk all your life, from conception to birth to childhood to adulthood, and your stench gets worse every day. Why? Because you keep on sinning. You keep on adding to the filth to the uncleanliness of yourself, to the stain on your soul. If that is you, you've never come to Jesus before, see that your body is rotting around you, just like a leper's body rotted. Now, you may not see your extremities dropping off, but in a sense, you are rotting. We're all dying. Your body is testifying to you that there is something wrong with your soul. It's unclean. But it doesn't have to be. You don't have to stink any longer if you come to Jesus. If you come to Jesus humbly and ask him to cleanse you, you will be clean. Children, understand this too. There's not many of you here today, but listen to this truth as well. While you were young, you don't stink as much as some of the adults here. Why? Because you haven't lived as long. So you haven't had a chance to add as much sin to your life as they have had. But you still stink. Your parents will testify to it too. Not that you need a bath, but that you have made yourself ugly and unclean by your own sin. 
Come to Jesus while you are young for that cleansing. Come to him. And then what should you do? Children, adults, all of us who have come to Jesus by faith, what should we do? We should join society. We should join society as ones raised from the dead. Whose society? Well, firstly, God's society. We should join God's society. How? Approach God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit in prayer and in listening to his word. Why? Because you don't stink anymore. You're not unclean anymore. You can actually speak to God and him not drive you away. You can listen to God. He will speak to you. By the power of the Spirit, he will illuminate your mind as you read his word. And by the Spirit, you can offer yourself as a living sacrifice to him. That's what the man was commanded to do by Matthew. Not offer himself as a living sacrifice, but, um, sorry, by Jesus. Speaking so quickly, I'm getting carried away here. Um, What did Jesus say to the man? Go to the priest and offer a sacrifice. And that's what God says to us today as well. Enter into my society. Listen to me. Pray to me. Offer yourself as a living sacrifice to me because you can. A life of thanksgiving, a sacrifice of thanksgiving to me because you can, because you don't stink anymore. And I will actually accept your sacrifices of your time and your resources that I've given you. I will accept them from you. And what other society should we go to? Well, we should approach God's priests. Who are God's priests today? All his church, the priesthood of believers. We should go to his church. Why? Because we don't stink anymore. We're welcomed into him. How does the church welcome us? How do the priests welcome us? Well, they examine us. They ask, have you trust in Jesus? Are you cleansed? And then they say, yes, you are clean. How do they do that? By baptism, by the Lord's Supper. They welcome you to be baptised, to eat and drink as ones who are now clean. You were once dirty, but now you are clean. Go to the priests if you are cleansed and be a part of his people. And whose society should you also approach? Approach mankind. Don't just go to God and, and the church, but don't really have much to do with anyone outside the church. Sadly, people in history have done this again and again. No, enter into human society. Like the leper could, he could enter into human society and show the Spirit's love. That's what we're called to do. We don't stink as much anymore, so we don't get pushed out of society as much anymore. Go and enjoy the society, human society that God has made. And of course, what other society should we approach? Well, we should long to approach the heavenly society. It's a wonderful truth that we're not going to the incinerator anymore. We're going to the garden and we should long for that garden and look forward to it and speed its coming, praying, come, Lord Jesus, come. And as we do all these things, as we join society again, not as dirty people sneaking in the back door, but as clean people coming in the front door, what should we do? Well, we should be rejoicing by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we don't stink anymore to God. In fact, we smell sweet to God. We are the aroma of Christ to God because his cleanliness has been put upon us and we smell sweet to him. And we should also rejoice. Why? Because we're being renewed day by day. Even as our bodies waste away like a leper, we are being renewed day by day, the scriptures say, that life is coursing through us. And why else should we rejoice? Because one day we will be raised from the dead. In effect, we're already raised from the dead. We've been given back what we have no right to because of our sin. But we've been raised from the dead. 
and can enter into God society, into church society, into human society, when we deserve to be cut off from all society, including human. We don't deserve to be alive in this world around other human beings, but God has raised us from the dead and will raise us from the dead one day altogether, bodily. And we should rejoice. Why? Because we will never be unclean again in that resurrection body in heaven, in the new heavens and the new earth that are to come. So let's come to God in prayer now. Let's speak with him. Lord Jesus, we praise you as the Son of God who has power to cleanse sin by your death and by the fact that you are divine. Oh Lord, we confess that we are sinners and we deserve to be cut off from our fellow man and from you for all of eternity. But we thank you that you've cleansed us who believe by your death and saved us from hell. So Lord, we ask that you would help us by the power of the Holy Spirit to live with you in your society and rejoice in you and to live with human society and show love to those around us rather than sin. And if anyone here, O Lord, is still unclean, may they see their uncleanliness, see their sin for what it is, see their dying body, and humbly trust you now. And come and say, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then, Lord Jesus, we ask that you would reach out and touch their souls and say, be clean. And we pray this in your name. Amen.